There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping leaders to cultivate meaning and purpose in the workplace to elicit passion, inspired contribution, innovation, and persevering performance. So I seek out and bring on guests who have a particular perspective, experience, or expertise that I think contributes to or expands this conversation. And as a management consultant and social scientist, I draw on the meaning and work and identity research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. I hope you caught the show last week. We we're live on air with Danny Barton, who is a deputy chief of police here in Capel, Texas. We talked about his experience serving on the police force, his perspective on what works well and what needs to be addressed to make the police force serve communities better, and the work he is doing to champion a new way forward for police force by helping department members to become more self-aware, develop empathy, and emotional intelligence. The man is championing a movement, and I was glad to cross paths with him and be inspired by him and give him the mic to help him spread the word about his cause. He's up to some really great work. With us this week is Ronan Leonard, who is the founder of eCountability and teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their intellectual property into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. He loves seeing the benefits that mastermind groups have on both instructors and participants and has helped hundreds of business owners increase confidence and authority within their expertise. He joins us live today from Melbourne, Australia. Ronan, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thanks for having me, Elise. Looking forward to, to our chat. I am too. And just a couple of things to orient our listeners. I like to be able to say a bit about how I find my my guest. And you and I somehow connected on LinkedIn and, and then I think actually Twitter first and just started a conversation. And I, when I looked at what you were up to, I thought, you know, you're somebody who could really contribute to this conversation. So thank you for saying yes. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. I, I do like to spread this message, so uh, I'm always happy to to uh, get the word out there and, and, and help people in some way. That's so great. And one of the things I so appreciate about getting to host this show is that we do enjoy a global listenership and we get to have guests from all over the globe like you. And so for our listeners to understand, it's here in Dallas, Texas, it's 5 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, um, October 30th, and it's Wednesday morning, October 31st at 9 a.m. for Ronan. I just love that. I think that's just so cool that we can connect from across, across the globe like this. So thanks for starting our morning. Your morning with us. <laughs> get it right. <laughs> yeah, get it right, darn yes. it. Um, all right. So I want to start with one thing that I really gravitated to when we first spoke about what we wanted to talk about. And it's so smacks in my world of, of what I'm up to. You're a big fan of Simon Sinek's Why? And so I, I want to get have you talk about that. But I want to have you share why you think his formula is so attractive to you and, and, and why you frequently share it with the audience. Let's start there. Sure. Interesting enough, I was just reading a post uh, yesterday saying that the, the formula is is BS and and it's rubbish. And uh, look, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but for me, for most people, it's not about money. Um, sure, it's a way of keeping score. Uh, we're fed this lie that we all want to make lots and lots of money. But you talk to ninety nine percent of business owners, and they're in it because they they're passionate about what they do. They like solving problems. They like helping people. They want to see an outcome. 
and money is just a way of keeping score. So without that um, deep-rooted why, you can easily be distracted and chase a deal that isn't good for you, isn't good for the environment, isn't what you really truly believe in, and you can easily sort of sway off the path. So I like to think of the Simon Sinek why is, is just getting back to your core value of why you turn up each day, why you put the late hours in, why you do extra work out above and beyond for, for your clients and learning. And it, it, it ties into the why, in, in my personal opinion. That's, that's, the, that's the core reason that, that you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so brilliant, Ronan. And I can tell you that for me, the reason I went off to, to do the work that I'm doing um, from my vantage point is because I wanted to create the overall life that I was proud to live and that I was the, I would be proud of the person who was in that life. And the only way to do that for me was to go off and really follow my purpose. And, and that's really to help people more awaken to their own passion and purpose in this life, in this world. So and it's, to me, it's well worth living in what I've had to do to, to get there. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Look, there's definitely this trend at the moment to talk about following your passion. That's great up to a certain point. But if you're not particularly, you might be passionate somebody but not particularly good at it. So it's a little bit like the Venn diagram. You do need to hit that sort of sweet spot where yes. it ties into your, your passion, your capabilities and your purpose. And effectively, often that, that why is that little sweet spot right in the middle of all of those three where it all comes together. And that's where the magic happens. Yes, 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 yes. And and so, you know, you've sort of already said this before, but one of the things that you really point out that I really gravitated to and I want to really bring it home for our, for our listeners is you talk about in creating your business why when you get to that place and you're aiming there that it's important to focus on contribution and impact. And you were saying that a bit before, but um, maybe it's helpful to hear about accountabilities, your, your company's why. Yeah, my company why is all based around trying to sort of globally connect people and create a, more of a community than working in isolation. Uh, I've seen a lot of small entrepreneurs, small business owners, they all start with this dream of, of, of having this this amazing life, this amazing business. And and we're, we're fed by the media that there is this person working away on their own in isolation. And they come up with all these amazing businesses and, you know, started from their garage. But the reality is they've all had help along the way. And, and you almost need to let go of your ego and say, that the only way I can really grow this and, and really challenge myself and move forward is by connecting to other people and, and finding what I don't know and, and become that learn it all, not know it all. So I do like to, to tie into that, that community base of, of connecting with people, just like we've connected and now we're, we're sharing our ideas. Mm-hmm. I think what you I, I read on I think your website maybe was you have a statement that says accountability is why is challenge inspire and support in entrepreneurs which is your contribution in order to create a global community or of accountability your impact I just think that is so crisp and that can really help our listeners start to think about how might they craft their own focus their own contribution and impact statement I think that's gorgeous yeah, well, if you've got some show notes, I'm happy to share that that whole formula because I, I went to a Simon Sinek workshop and, and they break down the formula to sort of help you think about what is the bigger picture than than just a, a slogan on a, on a beer mug or on, on a T-shirt, something that really helps you to connect to that. So, again, happy to share that with your audience. 
Okay, well, let's hold that in case we have some extra time. There's a few other things I definitely want to get out of you as well. But so let me just put that as a note that if we have time in the end, let's hit that. Um, so I, I, I want to give you a chance, and maybe we can talk about this a little bit later if you think it makes sense. But I, I do want to give you the chance to be able to help you uh, to, to explain to us how it is that you achieve your contribution and impact. Is it through masterminds or something else? I believe it's for me, it, it, it is passing on what I know and, and what other people know and, and creating that um, that learning environment where people become unstuck, learn something that they can carry forward for, forever. It, it's almost that um, teach a man to fish and, and you feed him for, for life. That that excitement of seeing someone understand some learning, and it doesn't even have to come from me. I, I've been in masterminds where someone else has come up with the best idea. So again, it's not my ego. It's not about me. It's about other people finding, um, tapping more into their purpose, more into their accountability, more into what their genius zone is and finding ways to improve and to grow and to to again sort of share that on and, and nurture others as they do that as well. Okay. I want to talk more about that in another segment when we have a full space to be able to handle that. So I want to step back for just a second then. Um, You know, here we are both career professionals who've been at work for many, many years, and you've had many other things that you've done in life and experiences that have contributed to your being and your, your, your lens and how you see things. And I think one of the most interesting things about you, in addition to the work that you're doing today, is <laughs> the fact that you actually survived a, a cruise ship sinking when you were very young. Not only did you survive, but you helped others get away. So I know in our conversation, we talked a bit about some of the key lessons that you got from that. But will you tell us the story? What happened um, and what did you learn from the experience? Sure. So so my dream job was to work on cruise ships. And I was fortunate enough to, to get that job at just 23 but within six weeks, we were off the coast of the wild coast of South Africa, and they don't call it the wild coast for nothing. The two oceans meet. We're in the middle of winter, totally the wrong time to be cruising there. And all of a sudden, the ship started sinking. And we, I, I worked in the gift shop at the time, one of the lowest paid people on the ship. And I didn't really know the ship was sinking. They didn't do the, the standard procedures of the seven short, one long, all the, all the stuff that I learned later when I continued to work on ships. So we were told through word of mouth that something had happened and and there was a problem. And then as we were loading the first lot of women and children into one of the first lifeboats on the one hand on the one side, on the other side all the all the senior officers left, staff captain, chief engineer, chief radio officer, not a single passenger, and they all disabandoned us. So we were left to try and organize people into lifeboats and coordinate some kind of rescue in this huge sort of storm. And I'm talking 100 mile an hour winds, 60 foot swells. It was it was, you know, almost biblical at the time. It was it was it was pretty amazing. But I didn't panic and and. I just helped people and and it just should have jumped in. And so it was it was a very defining moment in my life. But for, for years, I just told the funny stories that happened at the time, all the all the great anecdotes about, at parties and everything. And but it gave me this core lesson to, to question authority throughout my life. You, it has to be earned um, trust. And also you don't automatically defer someone just because they've got stripes on their shoulder or they've got a fancy title. And and because the captain left early and abandoned us, that was, that was my sort of core 
life learning that, okay, well, let's sort of question people. Let's not automatically assume that they have the answers or they are the person that you should be immediately deferring to and, and being subversive to. So that was that was a very good lesson to learn because I survived and because everyone survived, no thanks to the, the officers and, and, and crew, I was able to, to tell a lot of the, the funny jokes that happened at the time. And, and, and as I said, you know, treated almost for a while, I, I actually just thought it was just, it was just something happened, you know, could happen to anybody. That is a remarkable story, Ronan, for a couple of reasons. One, what does it say? This is another thing that I would take from that, just listening to it, is just because somebody's in a leadership role does not make them a leader. Boy, that's one thing that really strikes me from your story. Um, and and two, you exemplified leadership in, in the way, and here you are, the least paid guy in the whole on the whole boat. Um, and yet it, it seemed just to come naturally to you. And you don't seem to have, here's the amazing thing, you don't seem to have any misgivings or hardships about this whole experience. And you continued working in the industry for several months or years afterwards. Yeah, I don't know whether that was naivety. I don't know if it was my age, just 23. I'm not quite sure what it was. But yeah, people said, I, you know, I never would have cruised again or have you. And the funny thing is that my, my now wife, this was probably about six, seven years later, she joined a ship that we were going to be our last ship before we quit. She joined the ship about six weeks before me. And she said, I saw this safety video. She called me from San Diego before I joined the ship. So I saw this safety video and there was this guy just like you. And they were telling us not what to do. And they gave us demonstration. I said, yeah, that was me. And, and we'd been together about nine months or so. And I hadn't even told her the story. And I hadn't even told her that they used this safety video as, as a ship I was on as what not to do. So, so yeah, it's, it, it was almost like water off a duck's back. Um, so, yes, I, I guess I'm... I'm built a little bit different to some people in the fact that it really was. It was a good learning curve, but again, you know, it's not something that um, defined me in a negative way. Hmm. Well, I'm curious if you can say for us that you you said that you you learned to question authority. So, how does that show up in your life or your work now? It's always been a question of of when somebody says something. I, I I've. I've often had the idea of, okay, well, that doesn't sound right, but but actually speaking up, and I've done that a lot of, uh, I worked for several companies afterwards. I worked for, for cruise lines, you know, for almost nine years. And then management would say, they would trot out something and I would say, actually, and no, I actually don't think that's right. So I was one of the few people would, would stand up. Everyone else would be thinking it, but I became one of the people that more often than not would, would stand up and say, actually, I, I don't agree with that. Tell me why. And then the, their arguments often fell by by the wayside. So I've tried to always use that. I mean, Tony Robbins says that the quality of your life is based on the quality of your questions. And so questioning people is, is a really good habit to come into because mm-hmm. you want to question your own assumptions as well. I know as a small business owner, and I've been guilty of it myself, is that we don't often question even our own ideas and, and, and assumptions. So I think the more you can question and say, is this really true? Or what makes that so? What backs that up? I think you, you lead a much better life if you're able to, to, to question lots of things. I think that's brilliant, Ronan, and that probably is the worth the, worth the price of admission right there. I want to just <laughs> I just want to say two things to our listeners to to bring that point home. One is, for those of you who work inside an organization, the, your ability to push back on leadership and say, "Wait a minute, hold on, help me understand why this is a good idea and this is the right direction for us," is critical for your own career success and helping that organization move forward. So often, they, you know, the yes sirs and everybody nodding what the boss says just really derails things. 
And then the other thing I wanted to say, too, is for those individual business owners, as you said before, Ronan, who if, if they're not asking, well, hold on, questions about this, uh, they're probably not going to develop themselves or their product is, or services as well as they could. So I just think that was a brilliant point. Any response to those things? Oh, thank you. It's 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 something that I've learned over you know the hard way. I've I've made a lot of mistakes myself. I, I don't have it all figured out. I'm always trying to question what I don't know. And uh, uh, there's a great phrase is that we all see all the time the, the secret to this, secret to that. There are no secrets. There's just stuff you don't know. Uh, when you boil down to it, it just sounds sexier. <laughs> it just sounds sexier when you put it up as a oh, the secret to uh, your marketing. <laughs> so yeah, we just don't know. We don't know. So you have two options. You can you can remain ignorant, or you can say actually, look, I I, I can't learn it all um, in in this short life that I have. Let me connect to other people that know stuff that I don't, that can help me, that can we can share around ideas. And that's the true idea of a mastermind. Is and, when, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ronan. Is when two or more people come together, you come out with a better outcome than the, the two people combined. It, it just mm-hmm. creates that sort of synergy. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is a perfect way to tease us for before we go into our break here as to what's coming after. So let's grab that first break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Ronan Leonard, a.k.a. the Mastermind Guy and founder of eCountability. He teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their intellectual property into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. He joins us today from Melbourne, Australia. We've been talking a bit about his own experiences of why he does the work that he does. After the break, we're going to get into the content of those masterminds and why they work so well. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Ronan Leonard, who is the founder of eCountability and teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their intellectual property into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. He loves seeing the benefits of mastermind groups have on both the instructors and participants and has helped hundreds of business owners increase confidence and authority within their expertise. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before we get into that content of, of masterminds, Ronan, one of the things that we talked about on uh, via Skype before we got on the air here is you said that it was important for you to do something in the way of a business that wasn't just all about making money. And so you looked at your values and you realized you wanted to help people. You wanted to have an impact. Say more about that. Well, effectively, I, I had a previous events business, which I'd run for around about 12, 13 years, and I'd taken it as far as it could go, and 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 I didn't see me doing it for the next 10, 15 years. So I looked around at what I'm good at, and, and I actually spent close to about 18 months while I still had this business, really sort of diving into to more about me. So as you said, I looked at my values. I went back to the cruise ship story. I looked at sort of life patterns. But I also did a little bit of 
bit of soul searching and, and a little bit of self-awareness. I emailed people, this was a trick from a business coach, I actually emailed people and said, why are you my friend? Uh, and I got some fascinating insights into that. Uh, and I just, I really just took the time because as I said, I didn't want to run a business just to make money. Uh, there's nothing wrong with money, you know, absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's it, it's a great tool, it's a great enabler. But for me to sort of just make money for the sake of it, just didn't fill my boat and didn't give me any kind of excitement whatsoever. And, and obviously I'm fortunate enough that I live in the type of countries where there are multiple opportunities you can almost do anything you want if you set your mind to it. Um, so I've got the, I'm fortunate enough to say, look, I don't need to make money just to put, put food on the table. I want to do something that has a bit more of an impact of that. And I don't like to use the word legacy or anything like that, but I, I do like to do something that I feel at the end of the day, uh, I've made a difference. I've done something I'm proud of as, as opposed to just working for, for, for the sake of it. So it's, to me, it was quite important to, to look for something that tied into that. Otherwise I, I figured, you know, almost what was the point? Well, here's what's great about what you're saying here. It so maps over to my space in, in the world of purpose. And so I just came back from attending the Purpose Conference in Phoenix, Arizona, that was hosted by the company Imperative, um, which is owned by Aaron Hurst. And he wrote a book called the, the Purpose Economy. And in that book, he talks about his view of purpose as, you know, you, it's, it, it includes that you're, you're doing something that serves another, somebody else, a larger, a lar- larger audience in the process of doing so, you're personally growing yourself and you're also creating a community so to me that's what you just talked about would you agree yeah effectively when you boil business down to the simple equation all it really is is helping someone at a price they're willing to pay and that's the most part whether you're buying some nice shoes um, whether you're a consultant and you give someone an outcome whether you're an, an advertiser and somebody buys advertising space and it's in its core fundamental business is really about helping somebody at a price they can uh, they, they're willing to pay uh, that's the simple sort of definition of it but yes if you can tie it into to something deeper than that and, and more meaning and more purpose then then that's the the way we're moving most millennials do want to work for a company that has something more than just um, dollars and cents that has some kind of uh, of impact so so yes it, it's more people are sort of self-actualizing looking at their intrinsic values and saying I want to work for a company that that is doing something other than than just looking at their bottom line mm-hmm and to further stress the import of why that company should pay attention to that is when you consider that by by 2030, I think it is, that 50% of the workforce will be comprised of millennials. They're going to be driving that bus. They're going to be expecting more, more from work than just a paycheck. And so I think it's really important to inculcate this kind of thinking into how we work, how we create environments, how we create cultures, how we lead, um, how we live. Yeah, there's a whole movement of B Corp. Uh, effectively, to, to me, the current um, PTY limited company or however you want to structure it is, is broken. It's it's from almost 300 years ago when Queen Elizabeth decided pr- prior to that, if you started a business and it, and it folded, you went to debtor's prison. So that was the, the, the original company structure was a great idea to ensure that we could expand quicker. But it's been morphed now into it just becomes the bottom line. It doesn't matter about people. It doesn't matter about the environment. It doesn't matter about your customers or even your employees. When they use the excuse of it's just about my only obligation is to provide money to the shareholders or a profit at, at, at the detrimental of everything else, then it's clearly a model that no longer serves us. 
Mm-hmm. Completely agree. You used an acronym that I don't recognize. PTL, was it? Uh, PTY, Proprietary Limited Company. I think okay. you have them as LLCs. Okay, gotcha. LLCs, yes. That I that I better recognize. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but effectively an intellectual concept around the fact that um, there is this company and it's nothing more than a, an idea and a concept. But the idea that is that they only their only remit is to, is to make money, is to, to turn a profit at the expense of everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I completely uh, stand. I, I obviously I don't stand for that. Let's 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 put it that way, <laughs> rather than get into it. So, well, since we're talking about taking a stand, you've you've taken a stand. You had a very successful business in in events before you got into working with masterminds. So, how'd you get into this business? Well, I, I got into this quite sort of late in life. In my mid forties, I I went to my very first mastermind, and this light bulb moment came came to me because prior to that, I'd worked um, with some staff, but as as the only sort of voice in the room, and the only sounding board really was my wife. I'd come home, and and she works in corporate, and she's a smart cookie, but she got pretty tired of me coming home and going, "This went wrong," or "I don't know about this," or "What about that." And, and, you know, she's not a business person. She 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 works in an organization. So the very first time I was a mastermind, I thought, wow, there's this community of people that that, that can I can I can talk about my my business problems, my fears, my doubts, my frustrations, my my goals in a way in a safe environment where they have the same problems. They have the same fears, doubts and and, and worries as, as me, but also that they're, they're there to support me and help me. And for me, that was that was revolutionary. That I never had it before. So it was just um, I'd say, okay, I, I need to know more about this. And and I went down this huge rabbit hole of okay, well, this is this is the space that I want to be in, and it ties into that impact, contribution, purpose, my why. And again, I, I didn't just jump into this. I I spent that eighteen months ago, and okay, I, I really believe in this concept. Absolutely love it. How can I how can I work in this space? Well, what's brilliant about it from my vantage point is that when you look at the the whole concept of masterminds and you bring people together, that yes, they they share common problems and been through common things at different stages of of their lives and their and their businesses. Um, they also bring a certain expertise, whether maybe they're really great at operations or really great at financing or really great at HR or whatever. And then bringing those different perspectives and lenses to the to the to the fore, I think, is incredibly useful. But you know, being a, a business owner and I am too is can be pretty lonely and certainly having somebody else to bounce things off not just friends or spouses or whatever can be incredibly useful yeah it can get incredibly lonely you know that I always used to say a small business your highs are high and your lows are lower than than, than working in a, in a job but absolutely to 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 be the the person that is responsible for for staff and revenue for all of those things that, that there is a time where you just need to to, to know that you you're not alone and people have got your back and that also could be mentors it could be paid coaches as long as you're getting some help, co- co-founders is a really good way to to ensure that you're not doing it alone. Uh, but ultimately, it partly comes down to ego. You, you think that yeah, I've got this, I can I can do this on my, on my own, you know. And if it's almost like admitting failure if if you say, well, I, I need external help. Uh, but if you've ever seen Brene Brown's you know, t- talk on vulnerability and and shame, it, it's a similar sort of concept where you go, look, I haven't got it all figured out. 
And mm-hmm. ultimately, ultimately, when you talk to even the people that you consider, you know, incredibly successful, um, they still have that support network. They, they don't do it alone. So it's a myth to think that you can do it all yourself and and you you shouldn't reach out for help. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Mm. I can tell you I've gotten so much better at asking for help since I went through my divorce. I realized I just couldn't do it by myself. I needed help. And so I've gotten really good at saying, I need help on this. I don't know the answer to this. You get over here. I need your help with this. In fact, this morning I was out for a run run in early in the morning with my, my friend that I run with every week. And sometimes I come into that conversation. He's a, few, a little bit older than me, and but he's a very, very successful businessman. And so I oftentimes come into that run with you know a full agenda of what I want. This poor guy stuck with me for an hour so I'm going to make the best use of it and I grill this guy and I get more out of it but you know the idea of something that's more ongoing and has a, a, a strategy and a space to it and some structure to it I, I can I completely in fact I'm I'm interested in joining a mastermind myself so we'll we'll talk about that offline but um, I need all the help I can get <laughs> um I do want to ask you, though, you've got a specific focus on accountability, Ronan, and we talked about the need for entrepreneurs to keep their feet to the fire and step outside the comfort zone, but tell us more about why you are so fixated on accountability. Why is that so important? Oh, it, it's um, it's almost really the opposite of, of what people want. There's, there's, this, there's this marketing message is that you sell people what they want and you give them what they need. Um, so I actually probably shouldn't call accountability because everybody wants it, but they want it in someone else. They want our they want our politicians to be more accountable. They want our our leaders to be more accountable. And then when you sit down and say, okay, well, um, for me, oh no, I'm I'm fine. I've got all my metrics in place. I don't need anyone to hold me accountable. And the reality is that the accountability is one of the key things that will drive your business, uh, especially for small business owners, people that are, the, the, the results are on them pretty much. Because when we, we often leave corporate world to go and start our own business because we want the freedom. We, we sold this idea of freedom. And in fact, it's the exact opposite. You need so much discipline and structure. Otherwise you bounce around all over the place. You got the shiny object, um, shiny syndrome object where you chase this new latest brightest shortcut great new idea and the reality is the the manager is what keeps you in place so normally in a business there are three 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 sides to it there's the entrepreneur there's the technician side and then there's a the manager and nobody wants the manager because that's what they've left behind whereas the accountability is all about okay well at the end of the week have you hit your kpis have you done what you're supposed to do and there's nobody there to say yes or no and and the, so the business owner can just fudge him and say oh yeah something else happened i got busy this distracted me so so there's no accountability uh, for a lot of people and they are answering to, to nobody except themselves, which means that they're easy to fudge their their, their results. Yes, I really understand that. I, I, I am a disciplined person. However, the accountability does really help me. You know, I say I want to do something. I committed to writing my book. Okay, Cortez, where is it? You know, <laughs> so <laughs> I really appreciate that. And the, the other piece that you talked about that I really appreciate and want to want to talk a, a bit more about is the, the need to step out of our comfort zone. Say more about that. Why is that important? Well, everything everything we want, all our of, of our desires are on the other side of our fears. Mm. And this could be this could be anything from um, I joined Toastmasters a couple of years ago because I want to improve my public speaking and and get my message out there. And you understand then that so many people are afraid of public speaking. And when they try it, oh, it wasn't that bad. 
same with starting a podcast. You, maybe you had fears about starting your very first show and who am I to to get this message or, you know, what if I fail? So we, we bump up against these fears all the time and they're what hold us back from doing what, we, what we're capable of. So I, I find that the more you can, can test those, the more you can be around a group that say, oh, look, I tried that. It wasn't so hard. You should just do this, this, and this. Gives you that permission to, to, to try something that is outside your comfort zone because that's where all the magic happens. That's where the results happen. So if you want to write a book and there's someone keeping you on track every every week, every fortnight, you know, where what have you done? Have you what steps you put in place? You're far more likely to get there. So it's it is a question of 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 stepping into that space, but but with some kind of support support so that you're not doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Two things I got to say to that really quick, Ronan. So first, you know, in terms of stepping out of our comfort zone, you're in Melbourne, Australia. I think I told you that I got to visit Sydney, Australia back in June of this year. And my coach, who is obviously not really a mastermind guy for me, but he's my coach. He said, when you go, Cortez, you got to do the bridge climb because I know how frightened you are of heights. Just do it. Yeah. I did. And I, you know, it was tough for me. And and I, but I did, I mean, getting through it and, and facing that fear. Now, mind you, in the grand scheme of things, it's, there's, there's no danger in this. It's just dealing with your feelings and fears, et cetera. But it did. It helped me go, all right, I, I did that. So what else can I do? And it did it. I, I could, I, I knew that I was growing in the process of doing that. I'm so glad I did. And I've got a picture to prove that I really was up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the, good on you. Thank you. And it was so fun. The guide was fantastic. He just made it great. So I learned a lot about your country while I was there, too, in that climb, um, which is, frankly, what I focused on as I was up there. So it made it a little bit easier. But And, and you learned a lot about yourself as well. I did. And that I can do more than I te- have been telling myself I can do. So anyway. Um, the other thing that I was going to share with regard to stepping out of your comfort zone, um, would love your your take on, is I had a guest on my show a couple weeks ago named Dr. Lance Secretan of the Secretan Institute in Toronto, Canada. And he's been doing leadership development for years and does a lot of retreats. And one of his signature retreat experiences that is he takes um, executives who've maybe never skied in their life and teaches them in one day to do a diamond ski run down the mountain. And I told him, I said, if I did that, I would scream my head off the whole way and have a heart attack before I got to the bottom. <laughs> but what's your take on on really stepping out of your comfort zone like that? I'm all for it. When I So a year before the ship sunk, I was in New Zealand and I did this thing called the Awesome Foursome, which was a, a jet boat ride, helicopter, a bungee jump over about a 90 meter bridge and then whitewater rafting. Oh, wow. And wow. So all four, all four at once. And obviously, when you're in your early 20s, you think you're invincible anyway. You're bulletproof. You've just got that, especially guys. You know, it's just one of those things. So I did all those four in, in one single day. And, and the, the adrenaline rush was, was just, just amazing. Uh, so maybe I, you know, got them all over and done with in just one thing. Maybe that, maybe it may be easier or harder. I don't know. But I think that ultimately we are we are conditioned to 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 worry about failure and and the older we get the the more that becomes prevalent becomes we want to be in this safe bubble we want to want to do what we already know but ultimately most of those things in that controlled environment uh, one of the best ways to to really expand your brain I, i like to think of it as a bit like a balloon that you 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 expand it and and there are gonna be days when it'll shrink down a little bit but it'll be bigger than when it started and that's a great analogy to think about all of these things that you want to try and you want to do and you tick them off and you go, 
actually was nowhere near as bad as it was. So I'm all for it. If you can, if you haven't learned something or challenge yourself in the last six months, then you're, you're stagnating. If you, yes, you're just, you're just not going anywhere. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so push those boundaries. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, we'll talk some more offline about that whole New Zealand experience. Maybe you can talk me into that. But let's grab our last break here if we can. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Ronan Leonard, a.k.a. the Mastermind Guy and founder of eCountability. He teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their intellectual property into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. He joins us today from Melbourne, Australia. After the break, we're going to get more into the specifics of mastermind groups and how they work and why. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now... Back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Ronan Leonard, who is the founder of eCountability and teaches niche business owners and subject matter experts how to leverage their intellectual property into additional revenue models and increase their industry profile, all through the innovative concept of virtual masterminds. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. Um, so I want to be able to get our listeners really into this space here, if we can, Ronan, and really help them understand how masterminds work and really how they, what kind of results they can get. So let's start there first. How do mastermind groups work? How do you, how do you form them? What's, what are, what would you rec- suggest for structure, et cetera? Sure. Well, there's there's two sides to the to the mastermind group, and and I and I teach both of them. On the one side, you've got a subject matter expert who looks for bigger impact, bigger purpose. And one of those is to start their own mastermind. And so I teach them how to do that, how to basically and download their intellectual property and create a mastermind where they can teach what they know to us, a shortcut, uh, their knowledge, their ideas. One of the key things I do about that, though, is I actually say for your very first one is don't dump all your intellectual property down and say, this is what I'm teaching. Ask your group what they want to know. It's a little bit like a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs start a start a business idea without actually testing the market because they've got this great idea that this is going to make them millions. It's going to be brilliant, and then they finally launch it and it it it, it opens to crickets because it's not what the market wants. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I teach people that, that that have have a really good skill, and there are people that want to learn there. But just ask them. Go into your market and 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 your first beta one. Keep it very very fluid. Find out what the market it once and teach that and then on the other side uh, I run mastermind groups where I do connect people and, and we go through a normally a 13-week program and get them to really look at every aspect of, of their business and then probably pick one or two areas that they're they're lacking in and they need improvement of um, so the idea is that again you don't know what you don't know and also you can't be a master at everything most really good successful business owners are good at just one or two things that's their key leverage but as a small business owner, you have to be across everything, marketing, sales, uh, productivity, whatever it is. We, it's very unlikely that we're good at all of those things. 
So it's just finding a couple of key areas for you to to improve to get the most results. That was so you just really gave me access to something, Ron, and I didn't really understand, at least from what I, I've never been involved in a master group, uh, a mastermind group. I didn't really understand that part of at least your approach to doing them is that each participant brings what they really know to the equation to teach the others. I didn't really understand that. That's that's terrific. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter where the best idea comes from. So when I'm participating and I'm facilitating a mastermind group and somebody from left field comes over with this idea, I've seen people then writing, they're answering someone else's question and somebody else, a third person is writing down, oh, that's great. I can apply that to mine. I can tweak that. Because we live in this world now of, of content, content everywhere. 30 years ago, it was very difficult to start a business. You didn't have all that information. Now we've got all this information and yet we're failing at a faster rate than before so clearly it's not content what it tends to do is is context so how does that apply to me okay you've you've read this blog post or you've watched this video about how somebody does does something and and gets results and you go actually my business is a little bit different to that so what's the context behind that how would i do that to to repurpose that and to shape that so that it gets me results and the other idea is is around is around people that have already done what you've done so they can say actually try that didn't work but have you thought about this oh no i haven't that that's great so it's turning your good ideas into great ideas and also mm-hmm. particularly potentially burying your bad ideas before they you go down this rabbit hole of spending all that time effort and money on something that doesn't work for you Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Um, well, so when I, I, I'm imagining these groups now, and I'm starting to get more present to how they work and such. So I guess the next thing I want to understand is what has to be in place for them to, for them to produce results and be effective? What has to be there? Well, the key things is is some kind of structure. It's a bit like going into a meeting for, for an hour in a corporate environment and saying, well, okay, what are we going to talk about? So if you've got structure, that really helps. It keeps the keeps the mastermind flowing. The other thing is is having some kind of um, accountability, which is your goal setting and, okay, what, what am I going to focus on this week and, and what's the outcome? And then coming back the week afterwards and reporting that, saying, look, I, I, I tried this and, and this is the results I got. Uh, I put in a bit of gratitude within there. So I talk about one thing you're grateful for and I also talk about weekly, what, what did you learn this week? What's your key lesson for the week? Um, and one of the things that we tend to focus on all the time is we're hardwired to look for negative results. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's what kept us alive, right? Yes. You know, there's a there's a tiger chasing me, I'm gonna run away. So in small business, we tend to look for all the problems and all the things that are going wrong. And we never spend the time to go, actually this week I got a thank you letter from a client. I got I got two new clients this week, or we, we don't celebrate the wins enough to because we're focused on all the the problems that we've got to solve. So I always get my group to to come in with a win for the week. Let's let's talk about your wins. Let's ensure that you're not thinking constantly 40 hours, 50 hours a week about the problems you've got, the results you don't have yet, uh, or where you want to be. And let's at least spend a little bit of time celebrating some of the, some of the wins. Uh, and the other key the key attribute I look for in in, in masterminds is people that actually like helping people, uh, because ultimately. Um, you know, you talked about running with your friend and, and your friend's obviously happy to A, run with you and B, help you. And and it comes back in spades. So it's not a, it's never a one way um, you take, take, take. I'm, I'm sure you you help him with things. Uh, so it is that, that giving mentality is that you give first 
and they use that in BNI, you, you give to get, it's one of their phrases, is that you, you come in with this, this giving attitude, knowing that you will get so much more back and, and, and it's not a one-way street. Yes, yes, I agree. And yes, I do try to help my friend as well, but I just think he's probably smarter than me, but I do try to help him. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. Um, Well, then, so um, the next, for me, logical question is then how do people find mastermind groups? How do they how do they know which one to join? Or how do they find these things? Knowing which ones to join is is almost impossible because until you're actually in something you really don't know. It's a bit like hiring a coach or hiring someone to do your marketing until you start to get the results. It doesn't matter what their doesn't matter what their website looks like or their resume says. You 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 sometimes have to take a bit of a leap of faith. You can actually start your own mastermind group. It's not something that you have to to to, to find one. Uh, there are more and more out there. It's definitely a trend that is improving, and and people are understanding the value of them. Uh, so absolutely, you can. All you need is three or four friends, uh, or acquaintances, or even LinkedIn connections, and say, look, looking to start a mastermind group. I'd love you to to consider applying. So you can actually run them yourself. It requires obviously a little bit of hard work and discipline and and following people up and putting some processes in place. But absolutely, you know, no cost. You can reach out and and help other people and create that sort of mini group yourself. Okay. Got that. Thank you. Um, well, we're getting close to running out of time here on the show already, so maybe I can sneak in two more questions. I was very, very intrigued. You say something on your website about DOT or DOT system for tracking rituals. What's that? Ah, oh, yes. This is one of the best things I ever learned about four years ago. So it's a ritual for tracking what I'm going to going to say I'm going to do. And it's based on uh, J.D. Rockefeller, huge oil baron, you know, from the U.S., made millions and millions and billions. And effectively, he was really good at, at tracking and measuring what he did. So it's a very, very simple system where I track things like um, uh, my meditation, my exercise, uh, I've got a little brain training app I do every day. There's about 10, 12 things I, I do almost on a daily basis. And then I print off this little thing and I just put a dot by them. Did I do that today? And then you can quickly see patterns and you can quickly see where the promises you've made to yourself, uh, you're falling short on and, and ensuring that you create a bit more accountability just around those habits and rituals because everyone talks about lofty goals i want to do this i've got this goal to double my revenue etc etc i've got a goal to stay fit it all comes down to 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 habits and rituals they're what they're the things you need to put in place to do consistently on a daily weekly basis that will get you those results and the second you drop off doing that let's use your book example so if your book is is to write a book in the next six months you know that maybe you need to do um 500 words every single day or three days a week and then you look at that dot system and you go actually uh, i've missed two i've only done it once this week so you can start to see where you're missing out on the promises that you have made to yourself because they're, they're the ones we break the most. We're good for our friends. We're certainly good for our clients and our customers and, and our work thing, but we are terrible at keeping those promises to ourselves. So when you can keep those promises to yourself, you can achieve those goals and those desires and those those lofty ambitions that you have. Mm, I love that. And yes, I do like the discipline, but I also like the idea of having a structure to help me keep myself honest to myself. So thank you for that. I was very intrigued by that, and I loved your answer, and I think I can implement that. So thank you. little gift for me and our listeners. (laughs) 
So we're just about a minute away here. So if you could, um, Ronan, I'd like to, I always like to give my guests the, the last word, if you will. So knowing that the show is listened to people by around the globe, um, and it's about helping them more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, what would you like to leave them with? I'll probably leave it with that last saying is that you really need to, to keep the promises to yourself. Uh, yes, we all have responsibilities around family, friends, work, all those other commitments. But but ultimately, if you can just look at the, your core values, go back to your why, your core values, and, and just make some better commitments to yourself and, and those agreements that you make to yourself, uh, that will really hope, hopefully lead you with a really successful life and something you're proud of in the fact that you're able to to keep those those commitments. Mm, what a brilliant way to close, Ronan. I'm completely with you here, here. I want to thank you so much for starting your day with us and sharing your, your expertise, your passion, your heart. Thank you so much for being a guest on Working on Purpose. Oh, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you, Elise. Absolutely. And if you want to learn more about Ronan Leonard and the work he's doing with Masterminds, visit his website. It's right. It's quite clever. It's eCountability.io. So think of the word accountability with an A and just replace the A with an E, eCountability.io. And join us next week when we talk with Sharon Dematia. We're going to talk about her stand to empower women, address global issues, especially around depression, and her recent trip to South Africa in service of this mission. See you then. Remember that work is at least one third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. <laughs>